Hello. I'm in Sydney, a very smoky Sydney. And Sue, you've been visiting the smoke that thunders or something like that. Oh, <laughs> nice segue. Yes, I've been to the smoke that thunders, Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe and Zambia. Is it still and, uh, thundering? It still is. You know, there was some news recently saying that there's not much water going over. Yep. But in fact, there's an enormous amount. And I think social media, somebody took a picture of one part of the Devil's Cataract where water always um, dries up over over the winter. Yeah. Yeah, so it's business as usual. It's right. more enormous amount of water there, and I'd encourage everyone to go there as soon as possible. <laughs> Once they've been to rural Australia to... Do, of course. Do, yes, uh, yes, the fire thing. We've got to get... <laughs> we got the fire-affected no, tourism. Fix that first, then go to Victoria. Yep. So if you're doing two, two trips this year, go to somewhere in... Australia, and then go over to Zimbabwe and Zambia. And then I went over to South Africa ah, and did a cruise thing. with 39 Americans. Lucky you. Obsessed with Disney, you said. Yes, they all talked about Disney all the time was when they weren't talking about how wonderful Donald Trump is. It was an and, exercise <laughs> in um, patience. On that note, today we're going to be talking about the fantastic new database of dodgy developers and... Noisy families having fun in strata schemes. I'm Jimmy Thompson. And I'm Sue Williams. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. government announced their dodgy developer database. I read it in the Sydney Morning Herald and thought, good grief, I'm in Africa, what a shame. I, I wanted to be in Australia for this momentous occasion. Right, because um, how much do you know about it? Well, I think they're going to compile a database of developers where they're going to say which are the good ones and which are the bad ones. And of course, you can't really say that. So they'll be saying which ones have had most complaints against them, which mm. ones have been in court or NCAT and mediation, mm. Which ones have paid promptly for defects and which ones haven't? Yeah, um, that should narrow many... the field. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and how many have you know done developments before and they've been quite successful? Right. And and this is an idea that's been talked about for many many years. I mean, the Owners Corporation Network, the peak body for apartment um, owners, always wanted to do their own, kind of yeah. like a a trip advisor for apartments, really. And but it was always an excellent idea, but they didn't really have the resources. Or the, or the lawyers. Because, look, I'm predicting, um, I know I can be a little bit cynical sometimes, but I'm predicting that there are certain big-name developers with bad reputations who are going to look at this database and go, hang on a minute, I've only got three stars and all my rivals have got five stars. Call my lawyer. But are they going to have a star system? I don't know. I don't. I actually, to be honest, being even more cynical than I was ten seconds ago, I don't think it will ever happen. I think it's like the East Coast fast rail plan that comes out every election. Somebody says we're going to build a fast train from Brisbane to to Melbourne, <laughs> and everybody goes, "Yeah, what a great idea!" and nothing happens. But then maybe you were cynical as well about the Northwest Rail link in um, Sydney and the light rail. Perhaps no, you, no, no, you weren't no, cynical about not those. Not at all. Okay. I think I was the only journalist in Sydney who was not cynical about the light rail in George <laughs> Street <laughs> and continued to be so. Um, no, no, I just think, 
Look, yeah, you, as you say, there's all these, what they, they call these metrics that they're going to calculate. Things like, have they, have they been in business for a long time? Have they any history that looks a little bit like phoenixing? Um, you know, the serial liquidation of companies and then before they have to pay for defects and then they start up another company with a slightly different name. Have they had a lot of complaints? Have they resolved the complaints properly? All those things, have they had buildings falling down on them, you know, and, and things like that. And all of those things, when you put them in some sort of algorithmic blender, come out with a score that they are saying initially that councils and, and state planning authorities will be able to go, okay, you know, Flat Chat Developments Incorporated want to put up a building in Marrickville. Let's look at their score. Oh dear, it's a bit low. Let's either not give them the approval or be very careful about it. So what we're not going to have is dancing meerkats saying, compare these two developers and go with that one rather than this one. Right, so it's not for us consumers. Well, I contacted... Um, I had read about this in the Australian. I didn't even get a press release from the government like I normally do. And I contacted them and said, hey, is this going to be for ordinary people? Is this going to be like a credit card comparison website, which we all think it would be terrific if we had? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. This is initially it's just for local authorities, planning authorities, the government, people like that. And then the next day they came out and said, Oh, it might be available for um, ordinary owners and purchasers, but they'll have to pay for access. That's outrageous, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the people who are actually risking their money and their lives yep. in buying some of these apartments are us, the consumers. Mm. It's incredible that they're not even thinking of including us or only for a fee. Yeah. I mean, the government, we pay taxes to the government. We expect a service. Yes. And we demand a service and we should have a service. This should be free access to everyone. I mean, I, I think the difficulties that you outline, I quite understand. I don't think it will ever be a star system. And, you know, like when you talk about those um, credit card comparisons, you look at them and you think and it's so complex. Mm. By the end, your brain is just crumbled yeah. and you kind of can't work out which is which. And I think it will end up just like this. It will take real experts to be able to divine which developers they say are good and which are bad, because it will be so complex. There'll be so many metrics involved. Mm. Um, it will be kind of hard for you know, the regular buyer to actually work out where the money's going to. I'll tell you who will be taking a keen interest in these and, and will have the collective brain power to, to analyse the figures, the banks. You go for a mortgage on a new building, a new apartment off the plan, and you trot, trot along to your mortgage provider and you say, I want to buy this apartment, I need a loan, and here's my, my own credit history and here's my employment history. And they're going to go, fantastic, let me just check this on the computer. They the go, computer oh, says no. computer says no. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yes, I just had that. Yeah, because I thought you were talking, when you first started talking, I thought you were talking about the developers going to the banks and the banks looking at whether they're a good developer or not. And then well, saying, that, that well, no, could be it. I'm not going to lend you the money. But then bad developers probably make more money than the good ones, really, because Possibly. they can phoenix their companies, as you, yeah. you, as you pointed yeah. out. So they get um, big profits and they don't end up having to you know, pay out for any defects or anything like that. So they're a much better risk for banks yeah. 
than than good developers sometimes, I think. But you're right about... um, Going for a mortgage, you know, because that's where, I mean, something that we forget, you know, you look at your mortgage agreement and your bank actually has the ability to come in to your building and vote, take your vote off you at at a strata meeting. Mm. Do you know any instance where that's actually ever never, happened, though? Never, never. And it's always surprised mm. me. Apparently, it's very common in South Africa, where you were quite recently, oh. that the banks take a very active interest in strata developments because they're the ones putting the money in. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So I think if this once this database gets going, and now that I've said this, that the banks are going to be interested, it, it's just doubled its chances of ever seeing the light of day. <laughs> Um, I think that's banks will be doing that. They'll be saying, you you go in and you say, I want to buy this fabulous apartment. Here's the the CGI image of how nice it will look, and uh, and here are the, here's the plans, and you know here's my history. And the lender will go, let me just check, let me just check the developer, and and in a lot of cases will say, hmm, too high a risk for us. Wow. So then it's a too high risk for the consumer as well. Absolutely. I mean, you, presumably if you can find the money to finance it yourself, then you can go ahead with it. But see, a lot of people think that, um, well, why do we have to have these small-scale developers anyway? You know, we've got big companies that are building these big buildings, um, which is no guarantee of, of quality, but generally is, is pretty reliable. Why do we need these small developers? But the fact of the matter is that the big developers cannot build enough apartments quickly enough to deal with the demand. And you've got little pockets of, you know, infill development, infill mm-hmm. development, where you know you can't build a huge, massive tower, and they can't, they can't get the benefits of uh, amortizing all their costs. So you get the little developer who comes in, puts in four or five story building that fits the space available, and then you know your apartments, you can get an apartment in there at a reasonable price in a community, and especially in communities where, you know, somebody was explaining to me that in the past people wanted to stay near their family especially young women, you know, who are, who are going to be having a family of their own. They like to stay around their infrastructure. But if you imagine that every house in Australia has 2.4 kids, they can't all stay in the area because there just isn't enough housing. So what he was doing was identifying some of these suburbs and finding a space and building a small block of units so that the local people could, could move into these things locally. So that small-scale developer, they're really important to the whole development map, but these are the ones who are most likely to come under scrutiny. Yeah, especially first-time developers that don't have a track record. And yeah. I mean, obviously, somebody's got to start somewhere. We don't want to kind of see them pushed out of the market for no reason, really. Don't we? <laughs> no, no, because they might be a really good developer. They right. Might, they might grow into, you know, a powerhouse. Right, but I mean, surely somebody who doesn't have any experience of development is a high risk for the purchaser. Well, when we say no experience of development, they might have worked for a big developer before. Right, so they're not now going on their out on their own. So they may have a, you know, a decent track record. They might have good references, um, and they might have good bank balance. Right. So we shouldn't dismiss them out of hand. No. But it will be interesting seeing banks playing a greater role because. We've always seen lots of stories about banks taking away farm farms from you know poor farmers who've been battling the drought mm. and bushfires and things. Um, it'd be interesting to see them come in and take away apartments from people. Ooh, mm. right. Or or take over the committee. Actually, come in and and go. You people are just running this thing wrong. We own six <laughs> apartments in this building. Mm. I wonder why 
of they've never done that before. You kind of think there's a real opening for that. So there's a real ignorance about apartment living in Australia. I mean, we, because we're so close to it and we've been so involved with it and we talk to people who are involved in it, and we think that everybody must know things about rules about pets and parking and stuff like that. And actually, they don't. People, the people who live in apartments, actually, people who live in apartments often they don't know. But people who've never lived in apartments, they just go, "Oh, it's just this big messy people going around telling you what you can and can't do," and they don't realise that there's actually a reason for that, and they don't realise where it comes from. And I think banks and businesses are very like that. But here's an interesting thing. You know the problem I think in Queensland with the pre-sale of management rights. And you look at it, it's such an obvious, it's so obviously immoral and so obviously wrong and it has so many obvious problems. And the government is being bashed over the head. Every month somebody comes up and says, this is just wrong, you shouldn't be doing this. And you say to yourself, why does no government, labour or coalition, ever do anything about it? Then somebody explained it to me the other day. The banks. The banks have so much money tied up in the loans that they give to the people who buy the management rights that they don't want any of that disrupted. So as soon as the government says, we might do away with this system, the banks are going, oh, oh wait a minute. That's a big well, part of our income. surety as well. Yeah. yeah. So they're, mm. it's, it's almost as if, if you can imagine the government of New South Wales said, okay, we're going to scrap mortgages for investment properties. I think the banks would have something to say about that. <laughs> so, yeah, mm. the banks, in some ways, they need to be more involved. In some ways, they need to get their butts out of other mm. people's business. Yeah, because when you say, say New South Wales, maybe they don't know so much about um, strata living, but you've got lots of companies like, say, Lanark, and Macquarie Bank, who yeah. offer strata loans. So yeah. surely they're becoming a little bit more interested in strata because they're suddenly giving them a lot more finance. I think there's also the optics of a bank stepping in and saying, we're taking the priority vote. I think that's what the technical term is, a priority vote. We are exercising our priority vote to change the decisions that are being made in this building. I think it might happen if owners in the building said, hang on, you know, half the, the apartments in this building have mortgages with St. George, for instance. Let's go to them and say, things are not being done properly here. Why don't you step in? You've got a big investment in this building and it's going to cause you and your customers problems if you don't get involved. Mm. And maybe it's a function of, you know, the people who run the big banks, they all live in massive houses on the harbour or on the river or, you know, in fabulous places they don't actually live in an apartment. No. And when their families grow up, um, maybe they'll start moving into apartments and maybe suddenly they'll start getting a little bit more interested. Yeah. I'm now not sure whether I want the banks to be yeah. more interested or not. <laughs> I mean, well, we want them to be interested if they're going to act in a good way. You want the nice banks. That's right. Yeah. Are there nice banks around? Uh, <laughs> what was that maybe. one that's around now? Australia Bank? It's claiming to be the nice bank. Yes, and their adverts are really nice, but um, I don't know much about them, really. No, me neither. That, so that was not a, a recommendation. All right. Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about families and noisy families and kids living in strata. That's after this. <laughs> So 
Jimmy, you want to talk about fairness in Strata. So what's brought this on? Well, somebody, um, the internet is awash with this notice that somebody found. It was sent out to residents of an apartment block saying that there had been complaints about children running around in common property and making a noise and shrieking and shouting um, while their parents were socialising nearby. So they were resident children? Yep, resident children and resident parents, and they were presumably, you know, standing around having a beer. The kids are using the driveway of the car park or whatever for their skateboards and bikes and things, so they're relatively safe. And the... Strata manager said, look, you could get fined $1,100 for wow. breaching bylaws about noise. I'm thinking that the most common bylaw related to that kind of thing says that children should not be allowed to play in common property unless supervised, right? Yes, and that's a rule that, that's in most apartment buildings, isn't yeah, it, really? Yeah, and, but it sounds like they were supervised. I mean, the fact that they're being supervised by people who are standing there eating sausage sandwiches <laughs> and drinking beer is mm. neither here nor there. But it says supervised. It does, and and you kind of imply by that um, their, their safety isn't well. Their safety isn't jeopardised really. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that they're having to be shut up and contained yeah. and be really quiet and yeah. Does it really? So this has kicked off a, a whole debate. Um, the, so somebody saw it and read it and put it on Yahoo News. And then all these people piled in saying, this is ridiculous, you know, and all sorts of words like fascism were being thrown around. And <laughs> you know, and the common refrain was, kids have got to be allowed to be kids. And I'm, I'm not sure. I honestly am not sure. I think, yeah, you know, you fuddy-duddies, leave these kids alone to play. But then you think, if you were in the apartment right next door to where the kids are playing, shrieking and shouting, and all you wanted was a bit of peace and quiet, you would be a bit annoyed, wouldn't you? Yeah, but strata buildings are communities, and it's great that more families are moving in, mm. and they're becoming more indicative and reflective of society as a whole. I mean, I, I live in an apartment building, and there's kids there, there's older people, there's kind of everybody, really, and that's great. It, it would be a really sad time, I think, if couples without children lived in just buildings with other couples without children, and families were just shunted into the same place all the time. It's just it's a shame. I think it, it's great if kids are in apartments. It's good that they make a bit of noise. I, I think, think a lot of people like hearing kids laughing and playing, and, and even for those without kids, you can kind of listen to other people's kids and think thank god i don't have them as a generality you're right but i think in specific instances it can be a problem and one of the people who wrote to the yahoo news link and that link is on the story on the flat chat website which is flat chat.com.au so one of the people who wrote to yahoo news said they lived in a building which had a kind of enclosed courtyard in the middle of the block and there was a family there who the mum would just put her kids out to play and they'd run around and scream and shout and it would echo up through the whole courtyard the kids were safe but they were noisy mm. and this person said well i didn't i didn't bargain for this when i bought in here i thought it was going to be a nice peaceful garden in the middle and so you can see how people get annoyed I mean, modern apartment blocks are being designed for families. Like, you might get a couple, two or three blocks with a kid's play area in the middle. And not only does that give the kids somewhere to play, it also allows people who are coming along to buy apartments to go, oh, there's going to be kids playing there. Mm. Now, if they move in and say, oh, there's kids' noise coming from the, the, the playground, you've got to say, well, tough. Mm. You know? it's, yeah. It, 
It's like moving in next door to a pub and then complaining about loud music and drunks. Sure. Which has happened near here, <laughs> funnily <laughs> enough. Very near here. So, I don't know, you know, the the kids thing, I think it... Well, I suppose everybody has to get used to a modicum of noise from children. But when it becomes excessive, then you have strata rules in place to tell the families, you know, to be a bit more um, considerate, really. Yeah. And you have, and in that way, you have more control in a strata apartment building than you do in a normal house. And you might have kids playing outside and throwing stones at your windows. Yeah, well, there was one case that was sent to us at the Flat Chat Forum oh, a couple of years ago now. And it was a, a gay couple who the neighbours would send their kids down to play outside their window because they knew how much it annoyed them and oh, how little they could do about it. Mm. And they were getting driven to distraction. They'd be walking out and the kids would see them and start sh- calling them names and things right in front of their parents, you know. And, and the parent, obviously their parents are homophobic idiots who should be thrown away on an island or something like that. But and that was in a normal street and a house in a street? That was in a strata, oh, townhouse oh. development. I mean, kids can... The noise from kids... Well, this was a very extreme case, you know, where the kids were actually weaponized against the gay couple. But people can be horrible, you know. And, mm. and that's when rules need to be enforced, I think, to stop people being as bad as they might be. Sure. Because generally, I think, you know, you are safer in an apartment building, really. I mean, I'm, as a kid, we used to play Knock Down Ginger all the time. You know, when you go and... <laughs> You'd you have to and... explain Knock Down Ginger. Because <laughs> we used to call it Ding Dong Scoosh. Did you? <laughs> That's a better name, isn't it? <laughs> so You'd go and ring somebody's bell or knock on their knocker and then run away really yeah, quickly. Yeah. And that kind of thing you can't do in most apartment buildings because you only get access to the same floor as you live in. Yes, and so exactly. it becomes quite obvious after a while who the main suspects are. So, um, uh-huh. yeah, so apartment buildings can't be beaten for, for that. If you've got problems with kids, yeah, hopefully yeah. they won't be as extreme as with a house. Yeah, knock down ginger. Where did that come from? I mean, ding, ding dong scoosh is pretty obvious. <laughs> I have no idea. Knock down ginger. I don't know. Yeah, we were bad. We were bad mm. children. Mm. It's all very different nowadays, you know. When when we were young, you'd go out in the. I lived in the country. You'd go out in the morning and come back when it started to get dark, mm. and it was tea time. Yeah, which was dinner. It turned out as we got older. <laughs> <laughs> And, and dinner go- this is something that happens when you get older you know dinner isn't in the middle of the day anymore uh, anyway um, after this we're going to be a little bit of self-indulgence we're going to talk about my bike that's after this and we're back so I have a question for you a technical question Yes. Is a bicycle a roadworthy vehicle? Um, if it's in good condition and its tyres are pumped up, I guess it is. Okay. Why do you ask? Well, I got a, a, a letter today from our building manager, who's a very nice man, a very patient man. I like him a lot. But I got a letter from him saying I had been parking my bike in our car space. And this was in breach of the bylaws. And would I please stop doing it? Now, basically, to, to explain, I 
drive to the park to ride my bike and most of the time the bike is in the back of the car which is a very small car and every so often I need to use the back of the car for other things like people so I take the bike out lock it up in my car space and then when I go out on the bike again obviously I put the bike back in the car and there's usually it's only out there for maybe one night recently because of the smoke and stuff I'd put it out thinking I was going out the next morning and the next morning I didn't go out and the next morning I didn't go out okay so I got this letter saying you got a and we have a fantastic bike storage room. I mean, I have no excuse really. But the bylaw says you can only put a roadworthy vehicle in your car spot, which is to stop people just dumping cars and stuff like mm. that. And I think I think a bicycle <laughs> with pumped up tires, as you say, and brakes fully functioning is a roadworthy vehicle. Yeah, but does it say you can put a roadworthy vehicle? Because if it does, then maybe you can't put two roadworthy vehicles there, like a car and a bike. Well, we've got spaces with two cars in them. We've got tandem spaces. Yeah, but single spaces, if you had two really small cars... <laughs> yeah, would, would yeah, you be absolutely. Allowed to? Uh, as, yeah, long as, you, as long as you're one of those cars doesn't hang over the edge mm. of the, the, the line of the space, which, by the way, some people in our building do. Oh, right. But I think, look, you know, to be fair, there's been a kind of spread of boxes of junk and stuff like that turning up in car spaces, which doesn't look good. No. It doesn't look good at all. And it's a fire risk, isn't it, really? You've got cars with lots of petrol and diesel around. Yes. Whereas my bicycle is very flash, red and black. (laughs) Um, Looks good. Fantastic. It's not cheap. It's not rusty. It's totally roadworthy. Well, I think you've been given an injustice, Jimmy. Really? Yes. Do you think I should campaign on this? Oh, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have enough things to campaign about. Yeah, that's true. I think you should just get on your bike. Oh, (laughs) and get over it. Yeah. Uh, That's probably a very good idea. Well, so welcome back from the smoke that thunders. Yes. To the smoke uh, that chokes. (laughs) And Americans who asked very memorably at one point, are we likely to see any stripy horses? <laughs> right. That zebra. Yeah, I, I, that yeah. I worked out for myself. <laughs> were, these, were these the Disney people? They were. Was it a Disney tour? Was it? A, no. no. They, it just, just, they just all love Disney. That's right. And they, go, they do go on lots of Disney tours and they go to Disneyland at least once a year. Right. Or Disney World. Right. And they dress like Disney characters often. It is... And they do... Disney marathons. You can do a marathon or a half marathon that goes through a Disney park. Have you ever been to Disneyland? No. Me neither. You any desire to go? Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And on that note, thank you very much for coming in. Pleasure, Jimmy. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. If you enjoy these podcasts, and would you still be listening if you didn't, you can subscribe free of charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast platforms. As I said, it's free of charge, and that means the podcast will be delivered directly to your phone, laptop, or computer as soon as it's published. You'll find links at the end of the show notes, that's the related story, on the Flat Chat website. And the website is where you go to find the stories we've been discussing today, as well as about 10 years of archives and, of course, your questions and answers on the Flat Chat forum. Just log in to flat-chat.com.au to ask a question or, even better, answer someone else's. 
Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.